Welcome to the Reformed Brotherhood. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. I'm Tony. And I'm Jesse. Brother? I'm gonna have a brother? I've always dreamed about having a brother. If you'd like to join our brotherhood, you can join our Facebook group. You can email us at reformbrotherhood at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at reformbrohood. You can also subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. What's good with you, Tony? Not much. It's been a long day. Just kind of craziness in my world. I hear that. It's going around. It's like Monday comes every like two days for me. Yeah. Wait, did you just say Monday? Yes. Is it Monday? It is Monday. Monday. So we normally record on Sunday, don't we? We do normally rock some Lord's Day podcasting. So we, we for episode 11, are about to test our podcast, podcast? Our podcast uh, <laughs> ability here by completely flying blind with no preparation or settled topic whatsoever. That sounded almost like, like a Minnesota accent to my ear. But again, you're actually from Minnesota and I'm from New England. So it's possible that I've just learned that from like Bobby's world, that it's not actually how people talk. Bobby's world. Was that in Minnesota? I thought the mother was maybe had like a Minnesota accent, the Minnesota accent. Oh yeah. You betcha. Oh, that's actually yeah. like Northern North Dakota. It's not really Minnesota. See, I have, n- I have no idea that all I think of Minnesota is that kind of accent, which may be more Canadian now that I think about it. Yeah, it's like northern northern Minnesota, northern uh, North Dakota. That's where you get those long O's, the North Dakota. That's all I know is that long O in tumbleweed. Yeah, yeah. I like I didn't you. think I didn't think tumbleweed was actually a thing until uh, my wife, when she was in college, went out to do like a whole service project at like a Native American reserve, and sent like pictures of tumbleweed. Like it seemed like to me that only belonged in Bugs Bunny cartoons, but evidently, totally a real thing. Yeah, I've seen tumbleweeds. They they happen. They're a thing. Yes. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have an actual topic. Like we just we go don't. straight to the tumbleweed conversation. Tumbleweed. Really uplifting and encouraging. How so how how much do you think tumbleweeds sell for per pound? That is a really good question. I'm sure and somewhere there is a tumbleweed market. Cuz you would need like a ton of tumbleweeds to even make like 1 pound. That's true. The better question is what has the tumbleweed market done in the wake of Donald Trump becoming the president-elect? That's yeah, really the question we should be seriously. starting to answer. I mean, if it's like all the other markets, it's probably doing just fine. It's doing great. Seems yeah. like seems like things are right on track. So even though it's been a, well, it's been a crazy week, it sounds like for you and I, I mean, stuff has happened, right? Yeah, it's kind of a different world. I mean, who would have who would have guessed uh, that what happened last Tuesday was was what was going to happen? Like nobody really. Just God. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he didn't really guess though. So. That's true. Touche. Yeah, I definitely wasn't trying to Jesus juke you there. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what do, what do we think about this? Like, how are you feeling about this? I think I feel exactly the same way when we recorded that episode about politics in particular, just that it's wonderful 
truth be told, so my wife and I, we went out, we voted early in the day. There was a long line. So I was like, you know, people are excited about this. They're wanting to play a, a part in the election and they're fired up for lots of different reasons to vote. And then that was pretty much it for us. Like we even, I didn't check anything that, that evening we went to bed at like a normal time. And then we woke up and I just was happy to rest in the fact that God is still in control this morning as he was yesterday morning. And I was a little bit surprised to see like some people. So I'm not really on Facebook, not like in the like really committed way, but um, my wife, Jen is telling me that people just like from the beginning, like just losing their minds online. And in some respect, I think if you have nothing else to fall back on, you do, you know, people feel strongly one way or the other, but I don't know. I just, actually, I feel maybe it's strange to say, but like very much at peace and ambivalent. I know there's a lot at stake, but nothing that God can't be trusted with. So I don't know. How yeah. are you feeling about it? Um, You know, it was weird because, so I went to bed pretty early. I mean, I was watching the coverage. I was watching as some of the states were coming in and it kind of was come, it was going like as, as everyone expected it to, like the really traditional Republican states were going red and the, the really you know traditional liberal states were going blue and before I went to bed, Florida hadn't come in yet, but they were predicting it was going to go for Hillary. So I went to sleep and I was thinking like I was going to wake up being like, oh, yeah, I mean, it was closer than anyone expected it. But of course, Hillary won. So I woke up and picked up my phone and I had to do like a double take. I was like, wait a second. Is, <laughs> did somebody hack Google? Because because this says that Donald Trump won the presidency. And um you know, so I went downstairs and, and I woke up at like four in the morning because the dog, the dog has graduated from sleeping in the cage to sleeping in the bed, which is great because I'm sleeping like through the night, which is amazing. Congratulations. She sleeps on the pillow above my head and she like kicked me in the head at like four in the morning, which happens pretty much every day. And so I woke up and I was like, don't check your phone because you're not gonna be able to go back to sleep. But it was like, but I've got to know what happened. So I woke up at like four in the morning. So I'm downstairs waiting for like an hour and a half until Ashley wakes up and I walk upstairs and she's like, who won the first thing she says when she woke up, she opens her eyes. It's not good morning. It's not, I love you. It's who won the presidency. (laughs) And I say, it's Donald Trump. And she goes, are you serious? I was like, yeah, it's Donald Trump. Are you, are you joking? And yeah, it's Donald Trump. So there was like this sense of disbelief. And it was funny watching, you know, different threads on Facebook. It was like early in the day, there was this point where like, 0.02% of precincts had checked in for some reason at like 10 in the morning and it was Donald Trump and everyone was making these jokes like, oh, it's all over. And then throughout the day, it like progressively started to look more and more realistic that he was going to take it. And it was like people went from like joking and being like, oh, this is so funny to be like, wait a second, what's happening here? Um, And then at the same time, there was like people who were like, oh my gosh, he could actually win. Hillary might actually lose. And it was the weirdest thing because I I didn't vote for for Donald Trump. It's funny you and I voted for the same write-in candidate that we and we didn't coordinate or anything. That's um, true. But I didn't vote for Donald Trump. But when I woke up and realized that he had won the presidency, there was this weird mixture of like disgust, but also kind of like relief. Like Hillary Clinton didn't win the presidency. This woman who um, has lied to the American public about all of these email things and all of the controversy surrounding that, but then just regular good old fashioned liberal issues about abortion and gay marriage. Like that person didn't win. And then I started to look and I saw, wow, the the Senate and the house both went Republican. We both have a majority. 
And I, I don't think that Donald Trump is going to make good on on any of his promises that he I, I just think that was all lip service to get the vote. Um, I think that because he is aligned with the Republican Party, there are some things he's going to have to do to keep his allies happy, which is a good thing. Um, Supreme Court nominations are probably one of those things that he's going to have to appoint somebody that um, his allies would approve of. So that's a good thing. Um, but I was just kind of recognizing, like, the country right now, at least as far as the vote went, is more conservative than it is liberal. And that was, like, a really encouraging thought to me. Not because, like, the Republican Party is God's party or anything like that, but just by and large, the American people still voted to retain a party that, for the most part, still stands for traditional, conservative, Judeo-Christian ethics. So that was just really encouraging to me to see that. And it, was, it wasn't something I expected. I expected to see a whole lot more blue in the morning than I did. Me too. I'll tell you what I loved about this is because so much of my job is involved with modeling. It's more like financial forecasting. This just proves once again that all models are wrong and some are helpful. So I love the fact there was like a, just a heavy dose of humility for so many people, like so many agencies who had thought they'd projected out to a T. Even these guys who I really respect who do a lot of like statistical work and yeah. they know their sampling and they are really, really precise. But it was just crazy how wrong everybody was. So it's been fun to kind of go back and see like the revisionists, like this narrative, like changing, like, well, here's why Donald Trump won clearly. As yeah. if like that was clear to anybody at the time when, yeah. I mean, there were like at the beginning of the night, wasn't there the probability of like a chance, uh, a Trump victory done like 10% chance? I mean, it was like astronomically low. All things Yeah, considered. the number I saw was 30, but I listened to an interesting podcast. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, but one that I listened to is called uh, Math Dudes, Quick and Dirty Tips for Math or something like that. I also listened to that so podcast. So you, you heard the one, on, the one on the poll statistics? Yeah. It was so good. We'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes. And they, he just really kind of like, it really kind of opened my eyes to what is going on with these polls. So he made the point that like, People who, people who saw like a 70% victory possibility or probability or whatever for Hillary looked at that and thought like, wow, she has a pretty good chance of winning. But like when you think about it, 70% is not that great of a chance. Like that's not right. – that's like barely a passing grade on, on tests in some cases. And 30% is like a pretty good chance actually. And they even made the point that like um, a 30% chance is greater than the probability – of tossing a coin twice and getting the same thing two times in a row. That's true. So like to think about it that way. Um, and then the other example, I'm, you know, I'll just repeat everything they said here, but you can go and listen to it too, because <laughs> he says it in a much more engaging way is that in, in a hundred possible worlds, Hillary won the election. And we kind of happen to be in one of the 30 where, where Trump won the election. Now that's a weird way to think about it, I guess, but um, it, it really does just go to show like nobody can predict the future. Like that's not how things work. You can, you can do your calculations and you can come up with these statistics and they may be very, very good. I have no reason to think that the majority of these people who are doing polls and statistical analysis um, are like inept at their jobs and they're way better at math and, and they're way smarter in that area than I'll ever be. Um, but it just goes to show that like no matter how much you do that work, um, it's kind of like the weather report. Like those are all based on like statistical modeling and, and all these different variables, but there are so many different variables that no human can account for all of them. Even with all of our computer smarts and all of the different things we've developed, we still can't account for all the variables. 
the Reform Brotherhood, your probability and statistics podcast. Yes, except not. I love that you and I both listened to that, and it seems like that was totally a setup. But I it honestly wasn't. did not know until this minute that you you did that. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it that's just the crazy thing. I love probability and statistics because it just emphasizes for me that the only one who knows all this is God Himself. So all that stuff you're you explained, I think beautifully honestly like just because there's 70 percent chance there is that 30 hanging out somewhere that 30 percent and uh, you know if you're throwing a die and there's a 30 percent chance you roll a one which is not true but the the this is now <laughs> now we just now we just moved into like totally irrational thought at this right. point but that like tail expectation that little bit that probability mass that hangs out far off the center or far away from like the most common result is still there so like this is the same thing with like brexit even though it didn't impact yeah. us, like Britain seceding from the European Union was not expected. Yeah. And a lot of people are drawing this line between like the kind of nationalistic protectionist thought that kind of brought both of those two ideas into kind of the common populace. But it doesn't matter. They were both like low probability events, but they occurred. So God is good. I mean, even yeah. in all this, God is good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just underscores kind of a lot of things we were talking about last week with different divine attributes is that God is, you know, God is, is all wise in addition to omniscient. Like he knows everything, but he also is wise about that knowledge. And he, he ordains and orders things for his glory and for the good of his people. So I know there are a lot of Christians who are concerned about a Donald Trump presidency. And, and I, I think, you know, if you listen to our episode on it, I'm, I'm one of those people. There's a lot of really deep concerns about, just frankly, like a wild card and kind of a loose cannon who now has nuclear codes. Like that's a scary thing. Um, I don't, I think that if Donald Trump is anything, he is a person who's interested in his own self-preservation. So I doubt that he's just going to go like randomly nuking countries, but there's some legitimate concern about a Donald Trump presidency. But at the end of the day, Christians can go back and say like, well, God is good. And what he's done, he's done for the good of his people. Um, even if we don't understand how this is for the good of his people or in what ways this benefits his people, we know that it benefits his people. Um, and I don't know any other religion that can say that about, you know, current events or history is even a God who, you know, in like Islam, they don't really have a strong sense, at least in my understanding of um, like God acting for the good of his people. He, he right. acts for his own honor, which sometimes I guess sort of acts for the good of his people, but it's not, it's not the same kind of idea that like everything God does, he does for the good of his people because that's how he glorifies himself through his people is by blessing them. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm as a historian, I'm kind of interested to be living in a point in history. I think I said the day before the, the election or the day of the election, I said, no matter what happens, people are going to look back at this day and say that this was a point in American history where something changed. For um, sure. Whether it was Hillary or whether it was Trump, something something big was happening. And so it's exciting to kind of see what that is. And I, I you know, I really respect it. I listened to, to Hillary's um, concession speech and I listened to what the president had to say, um, what President Obama had to say. And, and I really respect the kind of the humility that they've shown in this loss um, to say, you know, we we recognize that we lost our campaign and um, we have to give the new president-elect the opportunity to lead without 
um, without trying to undercut him before we leave office or any of those things. Um, I just really think that that's, I think the American people as a whole should really take that approach is that we may have some grave concerns about what he's going to do, but we have to say, this is the official that we have. This is the person that we've elected through the process. Um, so we need to allow him to, we need to give him a chance to lead. Yeah. In terms of thinking about both the outcome of the election and just what we said about probability and statistics, I was actually thinking recently in conjunction with the attributes of God, just how amazing it is, how much condescension Jesus underwent in holding, when he emptied himself, not necessarily emptying himself of those attributes, but holding them in abeyance. And in terms of probability, I've often thought, and this may sound strange, so I'm curious for your perspective on this, but you know, we have the Son of God coming like wrapped in flesh, God with fingernails and hair and, you know, all the infirmities of, for the most part, of humankind. And he's doing, he's living a, for all intents and purposes, like a normal life. Like he's hanging out, he's having some wine, he's, he's ministering, he's walking places, all this stuff, right? And what I find fascinating is here is all of the fullness of God dwelling bodily. And he's choosing to condescend in such a way to hold some of those divine attributes by the wayside, especially things like that would be super helpful. Like, for instance, if you're going to like go preach a sermon, like let's say on a mount outside, and wouldn't it be helpful to just know what the weather is going to be like tomorrow? Because that seems tremendously convenient and very yeah. helpful. And yet from what we tell about the scriptures, how wonderful the love of God was to fully immerse himself in the human condition such that even like something simple like that would be so small like really what does it matter like all i'm going to do is just say uh no john we're not going to do go out in the boat tomorrow because it's going to be bad weather right um but we, we understand that jesus comes and and loves like so unreservedly our condition that he would be like that you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and i, I mean when we get to christology we can address some of these a little bit more in depth but um, it's important for us to remember when we think about Christ during his earthly ministry. And, and even now as the ascended Lord is, um, he is human and he, um, he retains his divine knowledge, uh, and he knows all things according to divinity. But at the same time, he also had to learn the scriptures and he had to learn, yes. um, who he was in his identity from the scriptures. And he, um, you know, he did his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by kind of tapping into his divine power on the side. Um, and, and you know, you think about going out on the, the lake in the storm. Um, you're right. It would have probably been a lot easier and a lot more comfortable, humanly speaking, to just be like, well, let's wait until tomorrow because there's going to be the storm tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, you know, you guys are going to make idiots of yourself. And then, right. you know, I'm going to have to I'm going to be sleeping and you're going to have to wake me up. I'm probably going to be a little cranky because I, you know, you're waking me up. And um, instead, he he for the benefit of his people. So his apostles would ask who what manner of man is this? And the obvious answer is, well, he's not just a man um, without Christ submitting himself to the disciples questioning, um, to the storm, to the frustration of being woken up, to all of the things that attend it. Um, he really submitted himself to the frailty of humanity and to the, the, the frustration and futility of creation in order to be able to edify his people. And that, that's just a beautiful thought. It is. There is God again doing what is good for his people through himself, which, like you've already said, is something that no other religious system can compare with. I mean, I, one of the most, honestly, like touching and encouraging verses to me ever in, in the entire scriptures is 
that scene where we have Jesus in the boat and the disciples are basically losing their minds in fear. And some of these guys are fishermen. So I presume that like we're talking about like some crazy storm action if, if they're actually scared that they're going to lose their lives. And I just love the description of Jesus sleeping in the back with his head on a cushion. Like how, how human is that? That why? Because like, I don't know, like you, you ever put your head down on like the floor, like you bend your ear back and you may never wake up from that nap like the same again because <laughs> yeah. it's awful. So, I mean, here we have the God himself sleeping in the boat, head on a cushion. I just yeah. find that of such encouragement and such like sustenance for me. Yeah. And then even if you think about like some of the parallels with Jonah and how like in many ways, Jonah is kind of like he's a type of Christ, but like opposite. So like Jonah is called to go to a people who hate God and to preach to them. And he, he just runs the opposite direction, right? Well, Christ goes to a people, like John says, he goes to his people and and his people, you know, they did not receive him. So he goes into this world where people are rejecting him and he knows ultimately they're going to, you know, reject him so much that they'll actually kill him on the cross. And instead of running away from them, like Jonah does, he runs to them, you know? And so both of these scenes take place. They both end up on a boat. They're both sleeping. And um, Jonah wakes up and he says, I've offended the Lord. So in order to calm the sea, you must throw me overboard. And that will that will appease the Lord. He'll no longer pursue you. And so he has to suffer for his own sin. He gets thrown overboard. Um, you know, it, ironically, I heard a Mark Driscoll sermon today about this. But he gets thrown overboard and suffers for his own sin. Christ Christ stands up and instead of suffering for his own sin because he has no sin, he simply tells the, the storm to knock it off. Right. Right. And the, the storm <laughs> obeys him. So um, in both cases, God calms the storm. Right. But it's just a total like reverse of expectations. You can't, you know, that phrase that the, the that Jesus was sleeping in the stern on a cushion. There's no way that a, a Hebrew reader or hearer of that account would not have had echoes of Jonah in the back of their mind. For sure. That's such a prominent feature in the Jonah uh, account that he was sleeping, you know, down, he was sleeping in the midst of this really terrible storm and the, the sailors had to wake him up. So even little ways like that where God, like, God ordains historical events in ways that point towards Christ and remind us of Christ and teach us about Christ. Um, you know, and then you've got all of the different parallels between Jonah and Christ, how, how Christ, you know, Christ comes and preaches to the people and they don't repent by and large. Most people who heard Christ just disregarded him as, Mm -hmm. as a lunatic or whatever. Um, but then Jonah, this faulty prophet who didn't want to go in the first place ends up in Nineveh and he gives like a four word sermon and the whole city and apparently all the cattle all, all repent, right? It's just this weird thing where like even the cattle are wearing, a, you know, wearing sackcloth. Um, you know, the, the text makes this, God makes this point that like, well, there's all these people in the city and all these cattle. And you're like, what's the deal with the cattle? Um, but then like, you know, we talked about the, the pigs, the, the, um, the pigs that the demons rush into. Like there's another weird thing, like. Not that right. Jesus doesn't care about the pigs, but like in Jonah, there's this weird point kind of made. I'm going to get hate mail about this. I don't even know where I'm going. This is why we should have topics. I, that I love this. I am just as excited as everybody else listening right now. But like, you know, God seems to be like super concerned about the cattle in, in Nineveh. But then there's this account where like Jesus sends the pigs into this, into this herd of thousands of, or the demons into this herd of thousands of pigs. And they all just get killed. And he's like, yeah, well, the demons went into the pigs. So, yeah, they ran Elect off the cattle. cliff. 
Right. But the cattle. So it's like, what's going on there? It's just, it's just interesting to see these weird parallels and contrasts that get set up throughout the Jonah and the, the, um, the gospel accounts. It's a very interesting study. Man, I love the Bible. Seriously, God is the only thing that's like big enough to capture like my wonder, no matter how old I get. There's always something else he's teaching me. And the Bible is just replete with all that kind of good stuff, those parallels that run through it. And I think I fear that, like you said, when I read it, because I'm not reading it from like that Hebrew perspective, that sometimes there's a lot I'm missing because there's things that my mind would have automatically gone to if I understood that culture a little bit better. Or was it just immersed in it by nature of my existence? So, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. There's It's clear that like God has a thing for tents, boats, and water. I mean, he's just yeah. down in particular yeah. with those things. And you we could spend like just hours talking about those things pretty much. Yeah, and actually Jordan Cooper on his podcast is, is I don't know how frequently he's doing it, but he's doing these, these um, episodes that are like themes, like biblical themes, not like – um, not like theological themes, but like he does one on clothing and how clothing is used throughout the scriptures uh, in different ways in terms of symbolism. Um, it's just a really interesting study. So check that out. I'll put a, I'll put a link in there too. It's just a really interesting way to look at it. You know, he, he, tr- he traces it from, you know, Genesis one where like the, the humans are naked and not ashamed. And then all of a sudden they need to be clothed in righteousness and then how clothing kind of unfolds throughout the whole scripture with this theme of like covering of sin and righteousness and honor and all of these different things that come with different kinds of clothing. And then how ultimately in the end in revelation, we're clothed in white robes, which represent the righteousness of the, you know, the extra nose alien righteousness of Christ that we put on. Um, it's just really interesting to trace some of those things. So since we've already gone down this road of kind of strange things in the Bible, here's, what I'm curious about what is like your favorite, strange thing in the Bible that even if you've come to study it and, and understand it better, what's like your favorite strange thing, strange passage, strange occurrence besides like the gathering swine, which we yeah. both agree yeah. is wild. What the egg? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think for the first time this year, so I, I mentioned before I tried to do this Bible reading plan and Balaam and his donkey, I think is one of those accounts. Oh, that I love that. The whole thing is so weird because Balaam, I love it. Balaam uses the covenant name of the Lord and I th- he gets painted as this like bad guy. Right. But I'm not sure that's actually what's going on in the text because, you know, like he gets painted sometimes as like he goes and he tries to curse the Israelites and he can't do it and he ends up blessing them like on accident. But he, there's multiple places in there where he's like, no, the Lord didn't tell me to curse them. The Lord told me to bless right. them. And he, he's using, he's using God's covenant name, um, and he's doing all these things, but then he gets to this weird scene with the donkey and, and it's like, he's totally clueless about what is going on with God. So it's just this interesting account that I've, I've never really paid much attention to. And I went through it this last time. Um, I'm not sure why, but I just slowed way down as I was reading it. And I was like, wait a second. I think there's way more going on here than, than I thought. And he seems like, at least the text seems to indicate that he's totally down with talking to the donkey when it occurs. Yeah, so he's like, either not like, surprised at all. Yeah, ex- exactly. So either like we don't get like the first part of that response, like, oh my gosh, like you just spoke to me. Or he is truly just jumps right into conversation without yeah. a problem. Yeah. It, that, that is wild. I love that story, actually. Yeah, the donkey's like, why are you hitting me? I just saved your life. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. That's, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what was going on. And he's like having this conversation with the donkey. 
I'd like to think it's exactly like that. Like he's just caught off guard. Like, oh, um, my bad. I'm sorry. I don't. It's like it, oh. like like that's like English drama right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like British drama. It's just a bunch of people sitting around being like, oh, I'm. I just. I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Exactly. Just or like. like or I, I can't escape it, but I always, when I read that section, I always hear the donkey's voice as though it was uh, the donkey from Shrek. Oh, that's a good call. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. We, sh- also, we should do a retelling of that where you actually read the part of the donkey as the donkey from Shrek. That sounds like a terrible idea. I'm also a huge fan <laughs> of The Office, so sometimes when I'm I'm reading the scriptures... Um, I have this picture in my mind of like someone in the someone in the account doing the gym look where he just like looks at the camera like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, it was it's definitely more effective that I can see you. It's I mean, that's great radio. But yeah, yeah, I I agree (laughs) with you. I thought you were going to say Michael Scott is Balaam. Mm, No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. What, what, What about you? What's the like the weird Bible thing that you can't quite get your head around? So I think that this is, so I've studied this pretty extensively because I think it's tremendously deep, but it's just so weird. So I always go back to that portion of Exodus where Moses and Zipporah are traveling. And then for some reason, God's like, I just want to kill, I want to kill Moses. And Zipporah's like, you know what we need? Foreskins. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just going to arrange those on everybody's This podcast just went to PG-13 is what just happened here. I did just drop the f bomb foreskins. So, yes, that but is, that that's is the new f bomb. It is the new. We're bringing it back. Is that yes. not weird though? That's that whole, you know oh, what I'm talking about totally right? that whole weird. account. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I think I'm gonna skip what I was gonna say. There's all sorts of questions <laughs> in Hebrew about foot and how it's a euphemism for certain Ex- things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That brings me so- to another weird account that I'm like I've just always wondered is. Uh, David goes to Saul and he's like, oh, I can't marry your daughter without a bride price. Like, what do you want? He's like, bring me the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. And then David goes and does it. And I'm just picturing like, how does David explain to his men what he wants them to do? And like, did he like carry around like a bag that he like put these in? I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not sure how to, how to reconcile and, and there's a lot of strange foreskin stuff that I think yeah. is, is perhaps beyond us, but I've often thought that too more because again, I'm working with numbers. I'm thinking like, was, was there like a foreskin ledger? Like who is keeping right. track and like counting? And it's like, we're, we're at 95 guys. Can we just get five more real quick? I'm actually going to rethink about that story in my mind as though David is actually an evangelist. And so he's actually going out and circumcising the Philistines and making them Jewish. Ah. That's what that's what Saul wanted him to do. I feel the, like if we were going to rewrite the Bible, which is like the worst possible thing <laughs> in the world to do, but that would be like the Charles Finney explanation of that of that story. Is like David goes out on a preaching campaign and he uses Charles Finney's techniques and he circumcises a hundred Philistines and brings the foreskins to Saul, which is still wicked strange. But, it is um, it is strange, but that's. Yeah just one step away from Jesus turning water into grape juice. Right. Or. Yeah. Oh yeah. Grape juice. Yeah. Definitely just grape juice. Definitely just communion grape juice. But that's one of the things that again, makes the Bible so great for me is that it's filled with like very real, sometimes strange accounts. And I think because we know our world is strange, I wouldn't expect it to be otherwise. So, but it's just like very candid and very honest and, that passage with Moses and Zipporah, I've heard some really good sermons on. And like you said, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. 
it's just like all of a sudden it's it just drops into your lap and you're kind of like i don't even know and then everybody moves on like yeah it's like, no oh, no yeah. problem yeah, yeah. No, no problem promised land back. let's do this yeah but i mean to, to sort of be a little bit serious about it is like that story really like exemplifies like the principle of embarrassment that like if you were exactly trying to like create a hero for the jewish people like the, you know like the the more liberal commentators want to say like well moses is made up he's like this ideal israelite and it's like wait a second here like Moses didn't even circumcise his children. So I don't think we can say he's the ideal Israelite in any right. shape of the world, you know, world at that point. And there's another theme, there's another theme that happens throughout the Old Testament and John picks up on it in his gospel is outsiders correcting God's people. Right? So, you know, you've got um Abraham in Genesis and it's you know, he he does it twice where he lies to some king that Sarah is his sister. And in both yeah. cases, you know, in the most shocking one, it's Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the one that's saying, like, why did you do this wicked thing to us? Um, and, you know, um, who was it that I was listening to? Oh, J- uh, Lagan Duncan, his um, his account on uh, covenant theology. I think it's the covenant theology course. Maybe. I don't know. But somebody made the point that, like, can you imagine, you know, that you're some uh, you're some Israelite child and your your dad is telling you the story of father abraham and you go wait a second you're telling me that father abraham was corrected by pharaoh fair we're talking about pharaoh here right the one that killed all the babies and they're like well no not that pharaoh but like pharaoh represents evil he represents the seed of the serpent um you know and then zipporah is an outsider she's correcting Mm -hmm. him all these different instances where the outsiders are correcting god's people and then john picks that up and it's 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 people correcting the Pharisees. It's it's the woman at the well who gets it, but the Pharisees don't. Zacchaeus, you know, and then not just John's gospel, but really all the gospel writers. It's right. the people you wouldn't expect. Jesus' own brothers don't get it, but these random fishermen by the sea recognize who Christ is and follow him. Um, it's just that theme of, like, God's people are bumbling idiots most of the time, and it's only after the fact that we have any clue. Um, and that's just it for me, that's really encouraging. Cause I know there's a lot of times just like we're talking about, like you read a scripture and you're like, I don't have any idea what this talk, what this is. Right. Yeah. And that's like the story of God's people of God's people trying to understand who God is and what he does and going, I don't have a clue, but I trust him. That's all that I, that's all that I can cling to is that I trust. I don't know much about him. I don't, I don't get things right. I screw up constantly, but I trust him to save me. And that's really all it is. Yeah. And when Jesus comes near, like nothing remains the same, which is you know, such a beautiful encouragement. I I like Zach, the story of Zacchaeus as well. I would, Do you remember that song? Did you ever sing that song with like the wee little man was he coming to your house for tea? Have you ever heard that? I have, but I've never sung it. Man, I realized that probably tea was not in the original story. But probably what not. I really, what I really love wine, about actually. that. Grape yeah, juice. I mean, sorry, it was grape juice. It was probably grape juice. Just yeah, probably grape juice, juice and crumpets, know. something yeah. like that. What I love, one of the many things I appreciate about that story is just the impact, like the clear regeneration that happens for Zacchaeus, because um, the gospel explains that in his moment of transformation, he says, like the half of whatever I defrauded, I give to the poor. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Like that generosity, that overflowing, like you said, talk about getting it and getting it by power of the spirit through the regeneration that comes to the spirit. He just got it. And I long for that kind of clarity in lots yeah. of things. 
And also that kind of generosity, uh, which we've talked about before, just get king size candy bars for your neighbors. Seriously. King size. Um, But this is, yeah, I, I agree with the embarrassment thing because you look at, of course, in the New Testament, those who you like from an outside perspective, you might expect to be idolized. Like the disciples look just downright awful. All of them at various yeah. times look just downright awful, confused, bewildered, not courageous at all. Uh, just, you know, scared and beside themselves. And so again, the honesty of the Bible, like again, is unparalleled in any kind of religious commentary or uh, holy book. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think it's so funny because like, I don't know why, but sometimes you get this picture of John the Apostle as like this sort of like tender hearted teenager. But like his nickname was that he was one of the sons of thunder. Yeah, and exactly. Like he's like the one of the guys who comes back is like, so Jesus, do you want us to call down fire on these people? It's like, I don't know about tender hearted in this one. Like he was kind of a kind of like a bull in a china shop. Right. Which Mythbusters actually proved that if you put a bull in a china shop, they will do everything they can to avoid breaking something. I think I saw that episode. Little known fact. Yeah, they just run around the shelves. They don't knock stuff over if they can help it. That kind of makes sense to me because, again, I can't imagine a bull actually being provoked to destroy some china. Yeah. Like they're, unprovoked. They're like just here's uh, here's some nice glasses. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they, they know what's right. You don't go over to someone's house and break their china. Yeah. Seriously. Plus, that stuff gets broken when you're washing it anyway. So that's I feel true. like that's not primarily when, when bulls are touching your china. Yeah, if the bull is washing your china, then you probably probably need to reevaluate your life. That should just be the quote in the discussion, like in the description of this episode, like yes. if the bull is washing your china. Yeah, or something about foreskins. I've already decided that the title of the episode <laughs> is going to be called "The One That Jesse Drops the F Bomb." Uh, I love that, and that's definitely a real crowd pleaser. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. People with two first names and foreskin, definitely yes. a real crowd yeah. pleaser. Well, um, I think that we've managed to ad lib with no subject for like 35 minutes and we haven't said Killed anything it. heretical, I don't think. I don't think. Someone don't think will so. tell us if we did, I'm sure. I did say that Zacchaeus and Jesus had tea, but I'm hoping yeah. that we can be charitable with I each also, other. I also rewrote a story of the Bible to be about evangelism instead of killing people and cutting off their foreskins. So, And I now have Balaam in my head as Michael Scott. That's true. Yeah, and the donkey is is Eddie Murphy. So. Oh yeah, I didn't even remember that until you just said it. Is it bad that I don't think I've seen how many Shrek movies are there? I don't even know, like ninety. Is I thought there were about 90, like ninety or so. Yeah. I would say probably ten less than the number of foreskins that David paid as a <laughs> bride price. Yeah, probably. And then the then it, like the, then the marriage didn't even work out. Like I you know. You go through all that trouble. You you get the bride price of like a hundred foreskins. And also, let me ask you something about that marriage. Do you ever think whenever I read the account of, you know, how David's wife saved him from Saul for a short period of time because yeah. Saul wanted to kill him. And so she created like this little bust with like hair and said he was yeah, sick in bed. And it was an idol. Why did David have an idol? I know. Weird, right? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. It, it I was posted strange. one time on that. I, I posted on my Facebook with that passage. I was like, when even the Messiah is an idolater. And everybody got really mad. I was like, David was anointed. Come on. People it, yeah, took it way too seriously. That's very provoking. I like that, though. I often think of that when I read that account. I always think of Alcatraz for some reason, though. Because that's those weird. didn't those dudes, like, they made, like, little busts of, like, their heads in a similar fashion, I think. Like, sleeping. Yeah, maybe. maybe. As part of, like, their techniques so they could slip out undetected. 
Yeah, I don't remember what I. There's, I mean, that's in so many different movies where like they roll the pillow up and stuff, and it's it just looks like a person. This has been a, like a great conversation. This has already like wildly exceeded my expectations. <laughs> yeah. So, um, best podcast ever. I think that probably does it. I don't think that Audible would actually appreciate us uh, <laughs> advertising them on this one. But if you'd like a free ebook and a free month subscription to Audible, you can go to Reform Brohood. Uh, no, ref- audibletrial.com slash Reform Brotherhood. There we go. <laughs> it's been a long week. There and we uh, you it- can sign up for a free month trial, you get a free ebook. Um, I listened to N.T. Wright's new book on ebook, which was great because the book is like a thousand million pages long. It would have taken me like 17 years to read, but I was able to listen to it uh, on the way to work and back for a couple weeks and get through it. Um, I don't want to endorse that book because there's all sorts of janky stuff in there, but um, it's a good way to get through books that you don't want to spend the extra time to read but would like to get the information for. So uh, audibletrial.com slash brotherhood. Uh, we would appreciate your support. So, Jesse, I know we haven't had a unified theme, but do you have any closing thoughts? I don't, but I've been encouraged by this because now I just want to go back. I think everybody should go think of that passage in the scriptures that you're like, that is just downright strange. And just like get knee deep in it, like just immerse yourself in it, study it up a little bit, read up on it. And I don't know, just take the time to go into something that you've always thought, you know, what? when I have more time. I'm going to learn about that or read about it. Just do it this week and then tell us what it is. We should put that out in the group. Yes. Yeah. And if you're a glutton for punishment, you could read what I read in my devotions this morning, which was three chapters out of first Chronicles of nothing but genealogy. So I'm, I'm there with you. I'm totally there with you. I was, I was loving that. You know, what's best is like oftentimes general Jen and I will do like a family worship style and we'll just take turns like reading back and forth. It's even more fun if you got to read that out loud. <laughs> you got to read all those names. It's fantastic. All right. Well, that just about does it. We uh, hope you enjoyed tonight and we will see you next week. Uh, what if I'm